Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour one. So what did the elephant say to the naked dude? How do you breathe through such a tiny thing? (laughs) Dad joke of the day, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I told that to my son last night, and 30 minutes later, he came back and fell out laughing to get us. Oh, the elephant has a trunk. Yeah. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. I figured I'd throw you off kilter. Opening the show, the phone number 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, we must begin with a topic near and dear to me. I don't care about y'all at the moment. Uh, This is about me. We have to begin with this exchange from yesterday at the White House. And then on um, the president posting the Atlanta Braves today, wondering if you or the president has any thoughts about some the controversial, mm-hmm. about the team name, the Braves name, the so-called Tomahawk Shop, any thoughts on, on So look, we, we believe that it's important um, to have this conversation. Uh, you know, and uh, and Native American and indigenous voices, uh, they should be at the center of this conversation. Uh, that is something that the president believes, that's something that this administration believes, and he has consistently emphasized that all people deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. You hear that often uh, from this president. The same is true here, and we should listen to Native American and indigenous people who are the most impacted uh, by this. Contrary to what many of you may believe, Surprising all of you, perhaps. I would like to defend Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, on her response. Um, I would like to defend her. Now, I know you think this is, I, I'm, I'm being serious here. Her response is what the Major League Baseball's guidelines set out for teams that uh, used names to be affiliated with uh, the, with Native Americans, American Indian tribes. And it's exactly what the Braves did, and I don't expect her to know it. Now, she's the White House press secretary. She should have anticipated and been briefed on this. That's fair. But she's also not a very bright person. So I'm not surprised she wasn't briefed. And what she said was exactly what the Braves did. And I suspect a lot of people don't know this. The Braves reached out to the Cherokees and other Indian tribes, got buy-in from them, have sponsored events with them, have uh, involved themselves in American Indian communities, and vice versa. And the Braves, as a result, are beloved by a lot of Indian tribes for their outreach. The Tomahawk Shop is welcomed. For those of you who don't know, it's the, uh, well, they, they chop their hands. And it, it is, it's something uh, American Indian tribes are fine with. They don't have a problem with it. Only some aggrieved activists who get press attention do. Now, Raphael Warnock is in Norcross, Georgia today. Someone finally asked him about it. He said his quote, I want to see the Braves win the World Series again. I'm aware that the Braves organization is having conversations with the Native American community. I trust them to work through that process and come to a conclusion that makes sense. How does Raphael Warnock, the United States Senator not know that this has already been done. How does he not know that the Braves and American Indians have already done this? Has he not been paying attention? Brian Kemp, for his part, the governor of Georgia, came out and said, keep chopping. 
How does Raphael Warnock know? It's, it's one thing for the White House press secretary to not know she's an idiot from Washington, D.C. For the U.S. senator from Georgia to not know that the Braves have already done the outreach and received the blessings of American Indian tribes suggests he wants to keep the grievance alive. Or he's just not clued in on the winningest team in Georgia. But there's something else here. It's the reporter who asked the question. I would like to know who the reporter is who asked the question about the quote-unquote so-called tomahawk chop. Which reporter did that? Because that reporter is not only clueless, but trying to stir up racial grievance on a day that the Atlanta Braves were going to be honored for winning the World Series, taking a day of celebration and turning it into some politically correct uh, festival of grievances in the White House press briefing room. That reporter should be exposed. We should know who that reporter is. I would like to find out who that reporter is so I can ridicule that reporter on social media. Flat out want to ridicule that reporter on social media for one, trying to stir up racial grievance against the Braves. I bet that person is a Nationals fan and the Braves cleaned the Nationals clock last night, eight to nothing. Good for them. We continue to stay in the state of petty grievance by race mongers in the press. And they set their sights on the Braves. And I don't think we can really blame the White House press secretary as, as much as that's my natural instinct here. I think she gave a politically correct pablum answer. It was the reporter who stirred the pot, not the press secretary. It's the reporter who should get the blame. What I am deeply perturbed about is that the senator from the state of Georgia, Raphael Warnock, doesn't know that this issue has been resolved. He says, I trust them to work through that process and come to a conclusion that makes sense. They've already done this. I'm sorry. I have to pause now to tweet. How does the sitting Georgia senator not know the Braves already did this and got the blessing of American Indian tribes. Is he clueless or too much of a race hustler to even bother knowing the facts so he can stir the racial grievance pot? There we go. I can type fast. That's a legitimate question that needs to be asked. And I'm asking it now on social media of Georgia's senator. Is he clueless or too much of a race hustler to even bother knowing the facts so he can stir the racial grievance pot? Because this is well settled. Everyone knows it. It's been settled for some time. If you're a Braves fan or beyond, they do the tomahawk chop. They're not giving it up. They're not going to give it up. They're not going to change their name. Brian Kemp defended them aggressively yesterday. This reporter and a U.S. senator from Georgia seem only interested in racial grievance. Now that I've got that off the chest, I can move on to other things, including student loans. The first lawsuit has been filed against the student loan bailout. The Pacific Legal Foundation has filed a lawsuit against the student loan executive order. The case was filed in Indiana. Now, get this. They found the perfect plaintiff. Here's the thing you got to understand. You got to, you got to, you've got to find the perfect plaintiff. 
someone who actually has a real grievance, and they have found the perfect plaintiff. Frank Garrison. Frank Garrison is the perfect plaintiff. He's going to face tax liability from the state of Indiana because of the automatic cancellation of a portion of his debt. The taxes won't be owed for debt forgiveness under the congressionally authorized program rewarding public service. Mr. Garrison and millions of others similarly situated in six relevant states will receive no additional benefit from the cancellation, but they will receive a penalty from the states for that debt forgiveness. Now, the real issue is standing. Who has standing to sue? Well, Mr. Garrison has standing to sue because it's not an opt-in program. The student loan forgiveness program is not opt-in. Mr. Garrison himself automatically receives the benefit of student loan cancellation. As a result, his taxes are going to go up. So the Pacific Legal Foundation has pretty much found the perfect person. Uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Arkansas, and North Carolina, and Indiana consider tax loans forgiveness under their state income tax code. So by doing this, by having this guy as the plaintiff, they found the perfect person. But wait, there is more. The Congressional Budget Office has assessed how much the student debt program is going to cost the government. Now, remember, progressives said it will cost the government nothing and will cost the government nothing uh, because it's just it's forgiving debt. It's not assuming money, except they are ignorant and show their ignorance in how the program works. Taxpayers fronted money to pay the student uh, tuition bills of these ta- of, of these people. These people borrowed the money, essentially, from the government, the taxpayers' money, borrowed taxpayer money, paid the colleges, and then promised to pay back that money in monthly installments plus interest. By canceling that, they're canceling the payback to the taxpayers. According to the Congressional Budget Office, this will cost, on a cash basis, $400 billion dollars. $400 billion. Now, here's the other thing you need to know. If you accounted for it not as a cash basis, but under normal accounting standards used by the federal government, it will cost over a trillion dollars spread out over 30 years because of interest payments and the like. Congressional Budget Office estimated 90% of eligible borrowers would apply to the Education Department to have their loans forgiven. Administration officials have cautioned that may be an overly optimistic figure. One challenge the administration has been facing is the relatively few students receive many of the benefits we offer on student loans. The bottom line is there's a range of plausible estimates, and we hope for a 90% take-up rate. Except, of course, this is all going to be, they're going to be sued. And the question is whether or not the president of the United States can even do this. Now, if the Republicans take back Congress in November and the odds are now growing, they could take back the Senate as well. They, as Congress, can file suit against the White House in court and stop this. Right now, there's a placeholder lawsuit that could enjoin the whole program, at least until Congress. Uh, The election is resolved as to whether or not the Republicans take back Congress. But this is going to cost people a lot of money. It's going to cost people a lot of money. It's going to cost you and me a lot of money. 
to be specific. But beyond that, and very specifically, it's deeply divisive. Young, rich kids in college with loans love the program. The working class, the farmers, the senior citizens, the people who paid off their debts, they don't like it. They don't like it. And it's going, according to internal Republican polling, it's going to become a source of grievance at the end of the midterm campaign season for Republicans. Because, in particular, uh, the working class is continuing to show signs of a shift to the GOP. In fact, I want to read you some data. Jim Garrity uh, sussed this out from the ABC News Washington Post poll. Let me read you this. Prepare yourselves. Among voters living in congressional districts rated as at least somewhat competitive by ABC News is 538, neither solidly Republican nor solidly Democrat. Registered voters favor Republican candidates 55 to 34, nearly as big as the Republican lead in solid Republican districts, which is a 24-point lead. Democrats lead by 35 points in solid Democratic districts, pointing to a potential overvote where they're most prevalent. This is exactly what I've been telling you was probably happening in the polls. Democrats have become highly enthusiastic about this election, but Democrats tend to be in Democratic districts and in Democratic states. So when you do national polling, they get oversampled with their enthusiasm. When you just look at congressional districts that are swing districts, it turns out voters are furious with the Democrats over crime, inflation, the economy, and over the student loan bailout. The chickens are coming home to roost for Joe Biden and the Democrats, and they don't really have anything to stop it. Everybody asked me about bowl and branch sheets. I actually put up a picture the other day. We got some in our house because we order from them. We actually are customers. They're like, oh my gosh, are they really that good? Yes, they get softer every single time you wash them. I mean, they use 100% organic cotton threads. They're super soft. You get such a good sleep. They have just the great weight to them. Like I had a pair of sheets we actually threw away when we replaced them with Bowling Branch where is they were just like too light and also not very soft. The Bowling Branch, they're perfect. The drape across your body when you sleep, absolutely perfect. Bowling Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness, for a better night's sleep. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Their signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from twin to California key. You will feel the difference, and they're 100% free from toxins, no pesticides, no formaldehyde, no harsh chemicals. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. All right. I want you all to do something, if you will. Um, Give me one second. This is an experiment because I'm... Moving things around like behind the scenes, all the bells and whistles of of the site, uh, just so um, things work a little more functionally and work to your benefit. Let me make sure I've got this set right. And then I want to, uh, yep, okay. Um, If you will do this, please. Yep, yep, that's right. That's set. Uh, just because I'm actually curious to make sure that this works. You guys are the stress testers of the system. How about that? Will you please do me a favor, whether you want it or not, just text the word data 
to 33777. Just text DATA to 33777. I'm, I'm just curious about stress testing this platform that we're using. So uh, you, you don't have to click on it. It's going to send you back a link to my daily email. If you want to subscribe to it, feel free to subscribe. Uh, but move stuff around to try to stress test the system. And you guys can be the stress testers to see how many of you can all text at one time and make sure the system doesn't crash. So text data to 33777. Now, um, uh, there is some m- more, more news out there about Mark Huck. Uh, Mark Huck is the pro-life activist who stands in front of Planned Parenthood facilities. And he stood in front of a Planned Parenthood facility A pro-abortion activist confronted him and his son. His son is 12 years old. The pro-abortion activist began cussing out his 12-year-old son, berating his son, hurling expletives at his son. And Huck pushed him away and the man fell over. Charges were never pressed. And a court dismissed a complaint from the abortion activist. But now Huck faces uh, a violation of the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, commonly known as FACE, outside that abortion facility for pushing that pro-abortion activist. The president of the United States has sicked the FBI on this man. They kicked in his front door at gunpoint, held his family, pulled the man out, and arrested him for a FACE Act violation. This is absurd. The president is essentially declaring war on pro-lifers, and I don't use that language lightly. The president of the United States is declaring war on pro-lifers. It may offend you to hear it said this way, but the president and the attorney general have declared war on the pro-life movement. They sent the FBI to kick in the front door of a home and hold the family at gunpoint and pull out the husband of that family because he defended his 12-year-old son from a pro-abortion activist in front of a Planned Parenthood facility. They are charging the man with a violation of the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. The state prosecutor did not prosecute him. A judge threw out a civil lawsuit by the pro-abortion activist who was hurling profanities at in the face of the man's 12-year-old son. The man protected his son. By sending the FBI to kick in this man's door and hold his family at gunpoint while they arrested the man is a declaration of war on pro-lifers by this administration. It is a radicalization on the left. They have been firebombing pregnancy centers tied to churches. They have been drumming up activist antagonism towards pregnancy centers run by churches. And now the president of the United States and the attorney general are having the FBI kick in the doors of pro-lifers who weren't doing anything wrong that state federal state prosecutors couldn't find, nor could a civil lawsuit uphold against him. But the president and the attorney general have decided to make an example of him. The pro-life movement is defending this man, and they should. This is a declaration of war against the pro-life movement by the Biden administration, sending the FBI to arrest this man for this. It's a declaration of war. When you go, guns drawn against this man in his home, they've been firebombing clinics, and Merrick Garland's done nothing. The FBI is not investigating. They've done nothing. 
this is actually a declaration of war against the pro-life movement. They should be ashamed, apologize, repent, and undo this. Okay, as JJ just said, I, I got to tell you guys, first of all, thank you for those of you who texted data. Uh, stress testing this this platform that I'm using, it, it did not crash. Thank you. That's what I was concerned about. But um, also, apparently, I have a ton of people listening right now. So thank you. Um, it, just real quick. Y'all know I believe that you got to break bread with people, that that we have become too online and too isolated in our existence. There's actually a study out today that isolation uh, ages you quicker than smoking. And I'm a really firm believer. And I listen, this is outside my comfort zone. I, I hate people. People are stupid. I, I don't like to be around crowds. I, I don't. Um, I used to, and I don't anymore. I just, I don't like it. And I have to force myself to be around crowds because, and be around people, not necessarily big crowds, but just being around people, having friends in person, because it's good for your soul, whether you believe you have one or not, it's good for you. It's good for you mentally. It's good for you physically to be around people. And that's one reason I do these recipes is to try to get you to cook because if you cook and there's food, you're going to want someone to share it with. It may only be one person. It may be a small group of people, but something. I have friends who come over every Sunday. We have bourbon and cigars and I cook. Oftentimes because my family's very picky, I cook stuff my family won't want. So I've been talking up this recipe and I became obsessed with it. And I apologize because I told you all a couple weeks ago I was going to send it out and I never did. It's a fried chicken sandwich, Nashville hot style. And I became obsessed and I made it over and over. I've actually lost 20 pounds in the last couple of months. Now I've put on mm, some weight back after this weekend by myself at Barnsley. But nonetheless, despite that, I, I had to take into account um, this, this, Nashville hot fried chicken, because I've been eating lots of fried chicken sandwiches and, I, and you got to count for all the calories and the macros and whatnot. I finally got it where I'm happy with it. And, and I've like, it became an obsession. I wanted this right. And so I'm going to send the recipe out tomorrow. And then I also did a brown, browned butter chocolate chip cookie that stays soft. I kind of stole the recipe from Cooks Illustrated and, and modified it to my liking. So if you want these... Text the word recipe, singular, not plural, recipe, not recipes, recipe, singular, to 33777. Click that link. You can subscribe absolutely for free. You don't get charged unless you want to charge or if you want to take the the, the the paid option. That just helps me buy the groceries to perfect the recipes. And y'all, those of you who have, I got to tell you, I have spent so much money on cornstarch and cayenne pepper and chicken breasts to get this recipe right. I'm I'm proud of it now. And I want to send it out to you. So just text recipe to 33777. Longer than I want to talk about it, but it's it's going to be worth it. Now, I want to go to the phones. Uh, Mark, you're going to be up first today. The phone number for the rest of you, 877-973-7425. Mark, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Hey, thanks, Eric. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make the point that this whole FBI thing, it's not just the elite guys at the top of the FBI anymore. You know, we, we need to hold the rank-and-file agents of the FBI accountable for this stuff. They're doing this over and over again, from Roger Stone to this anti-abortion guy. Um, I don't know how they do something like that, and you don't consider it something along the lines of an illegal order. That's just my comment. I'll, I'll hang up and let you talk about it. 
I appreciate it. Um, I, I I think we we got to be careful in our nuancing here. On uh, it, it does look like Roger Stone did some bad stuff. Um, but that being said, uh, the the amount of perp walks the the DOJ has authorized for people like that is a little bit extreme and excessive, even for Roger Stone. Um, I think it's probably time for Church Style Commission Frank Church was a U.S. senator who began a, a, a investigation of the CIA and found out some of the things the CIA was doing off the books that weren't good. I think it's probably time to do that with the FBI. And, and listen, I, I do think you have to nuance. There are a lot of really good FBI agents out there. I know some. They're good, hardworking, love the country, want to be in defense of freedom of this country. They They want to protect the country. They, some of them have given their lives uh, to protect us from terrorists inside this country that have made it into this country. There are really good FBI agents, but there are definitely some rotten bits within the FBI. There is a politicization at the top that we saw in uncovered text messages of FBI agents who were uh, buying into the Steele dossier and advancing the Steele dossier. In Los Angeles, the FBI essentially robbed a bank. They lied or or misled a federal judge, I should say, about their intentions on some warrants inside a, a safety deposit box location and took everything out of all the boxes, even those of people who did nothing wrong. The FBI needs some reform from top to bottom. Clearly, some of the agents need better training. Clearly, at the top, there is some politicization. I honestly think um, between the CIA and the FBI, among others, what we saw with Donald Trump being president is you had people within the intelligence community leaking to undermine Donald Trump and working to undermine Donald Trump. Whether you agree with Donald Trump or not, the fact of the matter is, just like with Joe Biden, he was the duly elected president of the United States. He, as commander-in-chief, gets to set the direction of the country unless Congress stops him. That intelligence agents and others decided they should be the ones to stop him turns them into a Praetorian guard. During the Roman Empire, the Praetorians protected the Roman emperor. Over time, they became the notorious assassins of the Roman emperor. When they didn't get what they wanted or they didn't like him, they didn't like the direction the emperor was taking the empire, they killed him, put someone else in. Our intelligence and national uh, investigative units, law enforcement units, seem to be becoming a Praetorian guard. The deep state, as some people call it, Becoming a Praetorian Guard, we can't have that as a country because it's deeply destabilizing. These people need to know their place, and if they don't, they need to be fired. Leaking against the President of the United States from those positions is a breach of trust. The President has to rely on these organizations. He has to rely on their information, and if he can't, there are all sorts of problems, big problems. Something's got to happen. 877-973-7425. I got to move on. I got to talk about crime. The New York Times has a story out about Republicans aggressively. 
pursuing crime. The headline, GOP redoubles efforts to tie Democrats to high crime rates. In the final phase of the midterm campaign, Republicans are intensifying their focus on crime and public safety, hoping to shift the debate onto political terrain that many of the party's strategists and candidates view as favorable. The strategy seeks to capitalize on some voters' fear about safety after a pandemic-fueled crime surge that in some cities has yet to fully recede. But it has swiftly drawn criticism as a return to something deceptive or racially divisive messaging. Now, pay attention to that last three, the last three words, racially divisive messaging. I want to scroll down now and read these two paragraphs. National Republican strategists say they always plan to use crime as a so-called kitchen table issue along with inflation and the economy. Now, after a summer when Democrats gained traction in races across the country, in part because of upending of abortion rights, Republican campaigns are blanketing television and computer screens with violent imagery. Some of the advertising contains thinly disguised appeals to racist fears, like grainy footage of Black Lives Matter protesters. I can stop there. I used to run campaigns. I was a lawyer. I did elections law. I fell into managing campaigns. I've managed national campaigns, congressional campaigns, statewide campaigns, countywide campaigns, local campaigns. I myself got elected to office. I've designed polling, done polling and mail and TV and radio. It is quintessentially American and a longstanding tradition of both parties that when you run an attack ad, the subject on which your attack is about is shown in grainy black and white footage. Republicans show Nancy Pelosi in black and white footage. Democrats show Donald Trump in black and white footage. Democrats show Republican supposed anti-abortion activists in black and white footage. Republicans show woke college kids in black and white footage. To say grainy black and white footage of Black Lives Matters protesters... By the way, they don't say black and white, but this is fairly well what's happening here. Grainy footage of Black Lives Matters protesters. To say that that's an appeal to racist fears, what you need to note is that these reporters started their piece saying some say it's racist. Now it turns out it's actually the reporters themselves who are saying this is racist. Lisa Lehrer and Jonathan Weissman. They are the ones who say it is racist when it's nothing of the sort. They, the Republicans, are doing what both sides have always done. Using attack ads that provoke an emotional response. And while these left-wing reporters of the New York Times, the supposed paper of record, can say it is racist, actually what's happening here is very specifically the GOP has found a message that works with swing voters of the suburbs who saw the burning of cities across America and heard the media call them mostly fiery but mostly peaceful. In Atlanta, Georgia, crime surged, violence surged. 
There's a restaurant I used to eat at. I, I avoid it like the plague now, Del Frisco's Grill. Uh, Del Frisco's, the steakhouse, they got a, a fantastic steakhouse north of Atlanta. But the Del Frisco's Grill I used to go to all the time. Well, it all got smashed in during the George Floyd riots. It's never been the same since. The crowd is reduced. The food's not good anymore. It, it's just, I mean, that whole area of Atlanta in Buckhead has gone downhill. It's a very nice part of the city. It's, it's the wealthiest part of the city. And even there now, you don't necessarily feel safe at night anymore. I now stay at a particular hotel that's more expensive than what I should be staying at, but I stay there because all the security people who tell me where I should go and where I shouldn't go tell me that's the only place in Atlanta to stay. The hotel I used to stay at that's half the price had a shooting in their back uh, little yard that they had. Uh, more than once a shooting. And it's not just Atlanta. It's Dallas, Texas. It's Houston, Texas. It's always been Chicago, Illinois, but it's gotten worse. It's spread into the suburbs around Washington, D.C. Around the country, crime has gone up. And it really did start during COVID, and it really did start during the George Floyd protests. Whether you say the protests were related or not, that's just the reality of the situation. And the Republicans are right to seize on this. I want to play you Jen Psaki. She was on, um, she was on Meet the Press over the weekend, Jen Psaki was. Jen Psaki was on Meet the Press talking about the problems Democrats have in the country. And one of the issues that Psaki rightly noted, I think, was there actually is, the Democrats actually have a problem related to crime. It's a real vulnerability. Here's Jen Psaki. Well, let me rearrange the, the audio here so you can actually hear it. Here we go. I'm a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And if you look at Pennsylvania, for example, what's been interesting to me is it's always you follow the money and where are people spending money. And in Pennsylvania, the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman because that's where they see his vulnerability. Yes. And now, uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, was asked about this by Peter Ducey. Jen Psaki says that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. Why would she say that? So, you know, um, again, I can't do electoral politics from here, as you know. Uh, but I, I kind of I don't agree with your characterization of what she actually said. Uh, but I'll say this, and I've already, uh, I've already said this already. The past few months, what we've been able to do is create a pretty much clear split screen of what we are doing to deliver for the American people and what Republicans refuse to do. We are making sure that, um, that, uh, that we have Medicare and Social Security, and uh, we make sure that the, farm, the, the big pharma is, uh, is not uh, up in cost. Um, first of all, the only thing different from what Jen Psaki said to what Peter Ducey said is Jen Psaki said it was a big problem. Peter Ducey said a huge problem, but she pivots away from crime to prescription drugs. She can't answer the question. She can't handle the question. She can't provide an articulate response to the question because the Democrats themselves know crime is a problem. And you got John Fetterman out there now. He's been caught on tape yet again saying that he, too, would like to see a whole lot of people get out of jail. 
That's right. Fetterman has been caught on tape. Got another video of him out there saying that uh, they need to release all these second-degree murder convicts from prison and Pennsylvania would stay safe. I've got that audio when we come back. Right now, i got to tell you, Democrats may need to fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and clean the air because uh, this crime stuff is going to hurt them, just like the economy stuff. You can clean the air in your house. Get rid of the smells, not mask them, but get rid of them. You can get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com. You'll be greeted with a discount code box on the front page, and you put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You'll see the Eden Pure Thunderstorms. You'll see you get three of them, less than $200. You get three of them. You're saving $200. You get free shipping. So you get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV or like me, I keep it in my suitcase so I can eliminate odors. It eliminates smoke odors, pet odors, uh, litter box odors from your pets, uh, musty odors, the fry cooking odors in your house. I used it a lot for that. Uh, And it just works, it really does. Get three of them for less than $200, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973. 7425. Now, I need you guys to take heed. If you're in my affiliate, listening for all my affiliate, WEEB, in Southern Pines, North Carolina, you need to know that Hurricane Ivan's track has shifted and it looks like it's going to be blowing through your area in a few days. In fact, it has shifted uh, to the east. It's going to go up through Tampa. And then head out to the Atlantic, uh, Jacksonville, my affiliates in Jacksonville and, and Orlando WDBO. I was supposed to be on the radio WDBO in Orlando this morning and uh, preempted by hurricane coverage. They're getting ready for it, understandably so. We were expecting it to soar through middle Georgia where I am, but it looks like uh, it may miss us altogether. We may get a little bit of rain and wind out of it but not very much. Uh, there's a cool front that blew through here. It's going to be in the upper 40s in parts of Georgia. And I'd have to be in an event in North Georgia. Or I shouldn't say Woodstock, Georgia, I should say. It's kind of North Georgia. It's going to be in the 40s tonight. If you see me on the camera today, I'm wearing my hoodie already. Um, the storm is bad. It is going to be a dangerous storm. Uh, Philip and his wife were coming back from their cruise yesterday and what should have been a seven, eight hour trip turned into an 11 hour ordeal with all of the people evacuating. And a lot of people evacuated up the I-4 corridor in Florida to get away from the storm and the storm track has shifted and they're going to wind up still in the path of the storm to some degree. Um, It's keep your eye on this. Al Roker went to the White House to advise them on this. (laughs) When we come back, I I, got to actually play you some audio for the White House. They won't talk to Ron DeSantis, at least the president won't, about the storm. Won't talk to him.